It's time for the Mean Streets Podcast, presented by Full Moon Barbecue. For the only podcast with an inside look at Crimson Tide basketball all season long, turn to the Mean Streets. Britton Johnson and William Galloway take you from tip to buzzer with complete coverage of the Alabama Crimson Tide men's basketball team. Here's your host, William Galloway. Welcome into the Mean Streets Podcast, Week 16. It's hard to believe that this is the 16th, 15th, or 16th episode. I'm William Galloway, joined with Britton Johnson. We want to thank our sponsors, Full Moon Barbecue. Check them out. Uh, great barbecue here in Alabama and around the Southeast. Britton, want to bring you in now. How are you doing? Alabama split games this week and uh, looking pretty good uh, as, as February starts to draw to a close. How's everything going? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, obviously, a rough one yesterday. Uh, obviously, we'll get into that in a little bit. But uh, looking forward to last couple of weeks for me of, of regular season college basketball, which is it's a weird feeling to have, you know, only two home games left in your career and only four regular season games left. So really just trying to finish this year strong and um, shoot, get things rolling in the right direction come postseason time. 17 and 10 overall, seven and seven in conference play after, as I mentioned, splitting games this past week, a win at home over Mississippi State, something that was just crucial right now. We talked about last week is controlling the home court and and making sure that wins uh, stay in the pocket when we play at home. That was an 80 to 75 win over the Bulldogs. Saturday fell short 81 to 90 on the road at Rupp Arena versus Kentucky and John Calipari. So we'll go ahead and dive into that. But, Britton, you did mention that you've only got two home games left. You were recognized last year as you graduated undergrad as a senior. So I want to come in uh, as a junior, rather. Now you're a, a graduate senior. Um, but tell me about that last year just briefly and what you look forward to. Will you be recognized uh, this upcoming um, senior day? Yeah, I, I believe so. I believe I will. Um, you know, this will be my second senior day. So uh, I presume it will be the last. Uh, and so, um, yeah, I, I believe so, unless they try to pull the rug out from under me uh, in the next week or two, but we'll see. Well, that'll be good. Every time you earn a degree, you certainly deserve to be recognized. So I commend you on that. You're actually finishing that program up this semester, and I'll start that grad school process uh, with that same program, Sports Hospitality Management, this summer. Looking forward to that. I'll have you tutor me some other time, but we'll stay and talk about basketball. Uh, let's jump into this Mississippi State win, 80-75 to 75 on Wednesday night. Not a sellout. Um, regardless, it seems like the fans were pretty loud, um, especially for a 6 p.m. game, which is really difficult for um, trying to have a sellout, but a, a good win over a very good team, and it was a necessary win. Um, and a revenge win at that, too, because State had gotten the best of us earlier on in the year. Britton, what were your preliminary thoughts after that game? Obviously, there was a lot that happened that we can break down with two technicals on Coach Oates. Um, but overall, five-point win over the Bulldogs. Walk me through it. Yeah, I thought it was a really good win for us against a really strong Mississippi State team that, uh, that they played really well. And, um, you know, I didn't think we had, you know, the best energy in the world coming out of the gates. Um, like you said, I think uh, Coach Oates has some really timely technical fouls. And there, there is a little bit of an art to that. Um, you know, that was the first time I've had a coach get ejected. 
uh, in my four years in college. And so kind of to see all that go down and, and see us respond to that was, was, was really cool. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a game where we kind of were in control for, I felt like the majority of the first half and, and going into the, you know, probably the first few minutes, of the second half. And then all of a sudden there was this big swing and, um, our ability to finish strong was, was huge in that one. And, uh, I thought JQ played one of his better games of conference play. Uh, I don't have the numbers with me right now, but, you know, I, I just think our ability to scratch and claw and get a win there, I thought we had a pretty good defensive outing. Um, it, it says a lot about the the character of this team because it'd be really easy to have another bad shooting day and just kind of roll over against a really tough Mississippi State team. Um, but, I, you know, I'm proud of our guys for, for regrouping and, and finishing that game and going on a run, we went on an 18 to two run, uh, kind of in the closing minutes of that game to, to put us up. And, uh, that was really the difference. So, uh, you know, I think on the last week's podcast, we were, were previewing this game. Uh, we talked about how the eight to four minute, uh, media segment, if you will, you know, between the eight minute and the four minute media timeouts, uh, we're kind of where we lost the game in Starkville because they kicked our butts on the boards. They got a bunch of O boards. They uh, just out toughed us and they went on a run and we were up five points and all of a sudden we were down like five. And so that was where the game swung. And then for, so for this year to have the under or for, you know, this game for us to go from the under eight to under four and to flip it positively in our direction where we were down seven and all of a sudden, I think we were up one or two going to that under four. And then we go up six or so. And then we got up to nine and um, just really finished the game strong um that was great maybe a little too nervous at the end uh with a couple of reviews and stuff but just overall a good win for us 44 points in the paint for the crimson tide in that win over mississippi state being able to get it done despite uh only shooting six of 30 from beyond the arc quinterly knocked down half of those six three-pointers he was three for eight he was perfect from the charity stripe two for two he grabbed two rebounds but where he really came up big uh, were some of those field goals and a lot of those in the paint. Um, 21 points. He had eight assists, really moving the ball well. So as you mentioned, his stat line, there it is for you. 21 points, eight assists, two rebounds, two of two from the charity stripe and three of eight from beyond the arc. He shot 50% from the field. Um, and we shot an even 44% average between Mississippi State and Kentucky. We'll talk about Kentucky shortly. Britton, our mailbag question comes from Winston Smith, and it is in regards to that Mississippi State game. Um, how did you react, and how did the team react when Oates gets thrown out? Obviously, the first technical happened, and then it was only moments later when that second one happened. So how do you go through that? Um, and then I've got some follow-up questions afterwards. Yeah, I, you know, I think a lot has been made of the leadership or lack thereof of our team at different points in the year. And I, you know, the lack of maturity maybe of this team and um, understand, I understand all the criticism, but I will say, you know, one thing that it did is it made everybody step up, you know? So obviously coach Charlie and coach pet and, you know, all the assistants stepped up. Coach Charlie kind of took over head coaching roles, if you will, and did a fantastic job there. He, he was a head coach in the G league and, you know, coach in the NBA. So it wasn't like it was a, a big deal for him to take that role. Uh, you know, I, I think he was very prepared for that, but 
uh, it made everybody in the program kind of step up and, and just lead a little bit more, which was really cool to see that actively happen in the last eight, 10 minutes of that game uh, where you have guys on the bench that are just 10 times more engaged than maybe they usually are because they know, Hey, maybe I'm seeing something that we have, you know, our head coach at here. So maybe my leadership here, my insight here can help us win in some way. So uh, I think that was really good. And I, I was just really proud of the way we responded. You know, I think a lot of guys uh, finished that game strong. Now kind of looking back on it, I was really proud of the way Darius uh, played and the energy he gave us down the stretch. He just had this attitude that he wasn't going to let us lose. Um, and I thought JD had some big rebounds down the stretch, finished with the, uh, leading the team with 10. And man, just another game where Charles is kind of coming along and, you know, 15 points for him. That's his career high. And uh, so you have all these little uh, puzzle pieces fitting together uh, where I think it just kind of put together a really strong last 10 minutes of that game. And uh, yeah, just overall really proud of the way we responded. And, you know, it's really, it's really nice when you have a team that's fighting for their head coach, even when he's not there, you know what I mean? So uh, I thought that was pretty cool. And that's something you could obviously tell. Take us inside the huddle in terms of what Coach Charlie is saying. Um, after that happens, you know, Coach gets thrown out. What is he saying? What are guys like Shaq and JQ and other leaders on the team? You know, what is, what's y'all's message as you tap each other on the shoulder and head back out there to play? You know, I can't remember exactly what Coach Charlie was saying. I, I remember he drew up just a fantastic ATO uh, after time. I'm out play. Um, on the baseline, but I think the overall message in, in the huddles was it's go time. Let's, let's do this and let's win this thing. Um, this is our game to win. You could feel the crowd really get into the game as soon as that happened. You know, they, they were super upset at the refs, but then we get, start going on our run and it was just, you know, like you said, it wasn't a sellout by any stretch, but it was electric in Coleman. And uh, I think that helped boost us as well so it was just kind of this I think the entire building felt this way it's like it's go time let's go on this run uh and just from there finish the game really really strong I think it was kind of a, a refusing to lose mentality and so coach Oates then turns into somebody like me and he becomes a fan he has to watch it on tv uh did you notice anything in practice later that let last week how um he evaluated the game. Obviously, that's up to he and his staff. But are there things that were different after that game in terms of how he addressed y'all uh, and having Coach Henry have to finish everything out? I just want to – I'm interested and curious about some of these details because uh, it's not every day that your coach gets thrown out. And obviously, as he said in his post game, he wasn't planning on it. Yeah. I, I don't know if I noticed anything different in the way he coached. I'm sure if you were to ask him, he might give you a more insightful answer on that. Uh, but it, it, it was, it was interesting. Like it was just kind of different to not have him there. Um, and you know, I, it was great to go back in the locker room and he's the first guy you see, and you know, everybody's super excited for him, uh, that we got the win for him, you know? And so, uh, there was definitely kind of a vibe of that. Yeah, that's exciting. And that, you know, carried on to a really good start at Kentucky uh, Rupp Arena, one of the toughest places to play in the country, 23,000 maybe. Um, your dad was there. I've been there before. We talked about that experience on last week's podcast. But, Britton, let's jump into Kentucky, an 80 to 90 
81 to 90 loss on Saturday. It was a game where shooting was unbelievable. Keon Ellis was ridiculous early on. Defense, um, you know, gave up run and Kentucky took the lead, never really looked back, was just a little bit too far ahead, uh, you know, six, seven, eight, nine points, whatever it was towards the end, ended up with a nine-point win. But take me through that Kentucky game, especially let's start in that first half and Keon going six for six or seven for seven from three, whatever it was, and kind of starting strong in one of the toughest places to play in the country. Yeah, there's a there's a lot to take from that game. But, uh, you know, I'll start off by saying, like you said, we, we shot it incredibly well in. It's kind of become an interesting trend um, before the this last week set of games, the last two games, I kind of like charted out home versus road or uh, home versus not home. So I guess that would include neutral site games as well, uh, shooting splits. And we were shooting like 8% better on the road or at a neutral site game than we were at home. Um, and that was prior to us shooting 21 or whatever we shot you know, whatever percent we shot against Mississippi State at home and then shooting really, really great, especially in that opening stretch against Kentucky on the road. And so uh, I don't know if there's really anything to that, but it's kind of been interesting in that we have shot it so much better when we're not in Coleman this year. And yet our defense, I feel like, is consistently so much better in Coleman, and that's why we're winning at a much higher rate at home. Uh, so, you know, I think a lot has been made of, you know, I, I think I've heard a lot of people that have critiqued when I've said, oh, you know, shooting doesn't determine if we win, but more the margin of victory. And I think if anything, that kind of proves it to be true in that, you know, we're playing all these games at home where we're shooting a consistent, like, I think it was like 27% from three. I mean, that's not going to win you a lot of games just on that, but we've only lost two, one of which we shot literally three for 30. So, I mean, you know, against the against against the top five team in the country, and the other one was to a team that's ranked very highly in the net. And so, um, it, it's all it is to say is that I think it's true. It's just our defense has to be at the level it's at when we're playing at our best defensively. And when that's happening, uh, then a hundred percent, I believe that shooting does determine the margin, and not if we win. You know, I and then that was the problem against Kentucky is it was defense and it to over. Uh, simplify it. It's just, you know, we didn't get enough stops. It was statistically the worst defensive uh, game of Coach Oates's career at Alabama um, from a points per possession standpoint. Obviously, it's a shame because we shot it so well at the beginning of that game. I mean, like you said, Keon Ellis played a fantastic game, had a career high 28, um, had nine deflections, was making plays all over the floor. Shaq had another strong shooting performance. So we ended up making 14 threes. But ultimately, you know, all for not, you know, we, we didn't get enough stops and we let them kind of go on a just a, a huge run at the end of the first half that I think completely turned the tide of the game. Uh, winning on the road is very hard. Winning at Rupp is staying near impossible. Um, doesn't matter how good Kentucky is on any given year. Uh, and I think it's true for, for most teams, but especially for when you're playing on the road at Kentucky, you have a chance to bury them you have to put them away. You can't – it doesn't matter who, who's out for them, who, who they have, who they don't. Um, they're always going to have really good players. You have to put them away. And, and we're up double digits for, I feel like, the majority of that first half. But we always kind of let them linger 
and, and stay in the game. And then sure enough, you know, they hit a couple shots. We missed a couple shots. All of a sudden it's a six, five, six, seven point game. They hit a couple more shots. We missed a couple more shots. Rupp is electric. And, and they're making shots they have no business making. And we're missing shots that we shouldn't miss. And that's just kind of how it works when you're playing in a venue like that. And, you know, I think it fueled their second half where our defense wasn't good by any stretch. There's no questioning that. Our ball pressure should have been better. We should have done a lot of things better. But they were making really tough shots. You know, Kellen Grady, he got it going a little bit. All of a sudden, he can't miss. And they're banking in threes. They're hitting late shot clock, tough shots. And it's, it's one of those things that's kind of a truth of college basketball. And it's you can't really put an analytics number on momentum. You know, and uh, we're obviously a program that prioritizes and values analytics. I think there's a ton of value in it. Um, I really appreciate the way we value it. But there's something that, yeah, normally that might be a 20% three-point shot when he's fading away and it's a non-shooter and it's late clock and we've contested it well. But when it's in Rupp and the place is electric and they're on a run, that might be a 40% shot now. And now it's, now it's a good shot for them. And so that's just kind of the, you know, they say basketball is a game of runs. And when you're on the road in the SEC in a big time environment, uh, you just can't let them get on much of a run. And we let that happen. And all of a sudden uh, completely turn the tide of a game. I think within about a 10, 12 minute uh, spurt of, you know, gameplay, it was, we were up 12 to now we're down 16. And uh, it's just kind of how the game flows sometimes. But obviously a really disappointing loss. Uh, you don't – as a player, I expect to go in and win that game. But from an outsider point of view, you know, it's tough to go into Rupp expecting a win. But um, for it to happen the way that it happened, obviously it was very, very disappointing. Yeah, a couple of things you mentioned uh, in terms of momentum. Uh, I think Alabama fans would totally want to combat that and say, well, okay, you know, your your weapon of choice then is timeouts. So why why adopt the Nick Saban strategy and carry these these timeouts, you know, with you uh, through baggage claim, put them on the plane and take them back to Tuscaloosa? Um, I don't know. You know, we're not the coach. You're not the coach. Um different players respond differently in different environments. And I think momentum changes are a lot of, if you allow the momentum as an athlete and, and you're the athlete here, so you could attest more to this to really affect your, your mental well-being or your mental being uh, overall well-being, you're not, you're not totally locked into the game and you're letting the crowd and external factors really weigh in. And so if you're really thinking that a timeout's really going to change the way that you shoot the ball, uh, unless you're super tired and need a sub, that's ne not necessarily from my ob observing experience of basketball, that's not necessarily going to be true. Um, however, you mentioned basketball is a game of runs defense. I would say uh, add, add one more point too is defense leads to offense. And when you don't score for the last three 30 of the first half, and then you have another four minute scoring drought in the second half um, you think, why are we not shooting the ball? Well, why aren't we running more sets? And I can get you to kind of attest to that one way or another. Um, but I would also say, you know, defense leads to offense. And the fact that you're you're having these scoring droughts 
because the defense is lackluster. Um, you're not you're not getting stops. You're not playing as hard as you need to play. You're not in your spots. You know, you're not communicating, whatever. Um, but but take me into those scoring droughts in, in both halves and what the biggest factor for you and for what the team was uh, and what you saw in those way too long of a time period scoring droughts. Yeah, I mean, the bottom line is we can we can talk about droughts of scoring and, and everything like that, but our offense was plenty good enough to win that game. It our offense would have if our defense played to the level it should have, our offense would have been good enough to have beaten any team in the country in any venue. And it's just kind of back to the matter. I think we finished over a one three on the ball game. I could be mistaken on that, but we we played fantastic offensively. I mean, we shot over 65% at the rim, shot it pretty well from three hit. Like you said, obviously Keon hit seven of those. I think Shaq hit five of those, something like that. And so that even with that said, we played great offensively. Obviously you'd like to play 40 minutes without any droughts, but I, I don't know that that's happened to many teams ever in the history of basketball, at least at this level, right. To have you know, 40 minutes without, uh, a scoring drought of some kind, or at least of a minute or two. Um, but yeah, the, the focus on what we needed to do better, the whole film review today was really, man, our defensive intensity uh, needed to be better. Our ball pressure needed to be better. Our togetherness on the floor needed to be better, uh, which mostly is seen on the defensive end because, you know, our offense, you can look at any analytics site and see that it's, it's better than it was last year, you know? So if you're looking at why aren't we as good record-wise or why aren't we as good uh, as far along as we were at this point last year, yeah, I mean, we've had some poor shooting games, and the shooting, we've said this a few times, shooting covers a multitude of sins. So, you know, sh- sure, if we had shot better in a couple of games, maybe we win. But kind of like I was saying, we shot a lot better on the road, and we've lost a lot more games on the road. So, uh it's more of a defensive problem than it is anything else. And I think everyone in the program would recognize that. Um, so it's something we're going to have to fix on Tuesday and going forward, because the truth is, and I think it's what's been so frustrating, you know, to Alabama fans, I, I get it. I think everyone sees that it's still all out there in front of us, right? Like we can still accomplish anything that we want to. Obviously we could still lose in the first round. Like nothing is the door isn't shut on anything for us yet. I think we know that as a program, I think everybody in the program recognizes that we're a team that is talented enough to make it to NOLA. It's never going to be a ceiling problem for us. It's never going to be a problem of, Oh man, our ceiling isn't high enough to accomplish what we want to accomplish. And, you know, it is what it is. So for a lot of teams, that's going to be the issue. That's why they're going to lose in March madness. They're going to, have reached their potential and their potential won't have been good enough. Uh, so for us, we know that our ceiling is is high enough to do whatever we want to do. So it's just kind of frustrating when we don't play to the level we know we can play at. Um, and, you know, the good news is the season's not over yet. It's it's getting there, but it's not over yet. And so all we need to do is, is get hot at the right time. You know, I've referenced the Auburn team from – my freshman year a couple of times and, and kind of the parallels between our season and theirs from that year. Um, 
I mean, they went 11 and seven in SEC play. People forget that they were the five seed in the SEC. They didn't get the double bye. Um, and they won four straight in Nashville. And then they won four straight in the NCAA, got to the final four. Um, that said, they almost lost in the round of 64. So, you know, those things can go either way, you know, very easily. And so for us, our goal right now is we just got to be more introspective and focus on us and how can we be the best team we can be and how can we reach that ceiling that we know we can get to, that we've seen in spurts. Um, and so that's kind of our focus right now. I know this kind of spoke a lot, but uh, that's kind of no, where I, we're at. I appreciate that. Fantasy. And I think, I think one thing that's so important about that is not saying, all right, it's the SEC tournament. Let's kick it into gear. Let's get our focus right. Let's get our defensive intensity um, up to where it needs to be because you've got a game at Vanderbilt against a team that's trending upwards, as we talked about on last week's podcast. You've got a very important home game versus South Carolina, back-to-back home game, then with Texas A&M, and then you finish at LSU, a place where you're able to have success last year, but that's not always guaranteed, especially as we've talked about all throughout this podcast, how hard it is to win on the road in the SEC. And so I think that the mentality is so much that goes into it. And I don't see what happens in the locker room. I don't see the road trips and stuff like that. But I think that's one thing you would agree on is the focus and the mentality and your in your mental approach to the game will help determine um, your defensive effort and things like that. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about that. You know, something Coach Oates has kind of harped on uh, in the past week or two, but also today, is it's good news, right, that what we need to fix isn't something that is going to take a year to fix. It's something that we can fix almost overnight if we commit to it, right? Um, It's not like, oh, we don't have talented enough shooters, so we're going to have to work all all season on getting better as shooters in order to – be the team we need to be. Um, it, it's it's focus, it's in defensive intensity, it's defensive talking togetherness uh, and details that uh, we need to fix. And, you know, those are habits, sure, but uh, I think they're habits that we've set in large spurts in practice. And, and so it's something that we can fix pretty quickly. And it's kind of a, you know, we get hot and we start succeeding doing the right things and all of a sudden it just clicks i mean i've seen it happen before so that's the good news like you said bandy's a fantastic team we have another road game at lsu you know good and well uh coach wade is gonna have the film of last season's game all up i mean shoot the whole probably the sec championship this is you know a team we've had success against recently but if you don't think they're going to use that as motivation against us and it could serve as rat poison for us uh you'd be sorely mistaken so i mean i think the thing that the four teams we have left on our regular season schedule all share in common uh, is that they're gritty, hard-playing teams. Um, each each one of them, that's kind of their MO this year. You know, I know LSU was kind of a uh, – had a tendency to have a little bit of a pretty boy type of thing where they had three just really good players and they are flashy offensively and questionable defensively, but they are one of the best defensive teams in the country this year. That's just a fact of the matter. They're a really tough team. You go through the other three teams we're playing, Texas A&M, South Carolina, um, Vanderbilt, who we're playing Tuesday. They're, the MO they built this year is just tough, gritty, you know, blue collar. The thing that we have said our, our identity is, right, we've, we've kind of 
try to make our, our identity this blue-collar team. So what could prepare us better for what we need to do down the stretch of the season and to play four teams like that and try to out-tough the tough teams and try to out-grit these teams? Because uh, if we do that, I mean, there's I don't think anybody in the country is stupid enough to question the talent that we have on our roster or the ability. But I've seen the toughness question, and that frustrates everybody. So. Uh, we have a great opportunity to show how tough we really are uh, in these next couple of weeks against, you know, four outstanding teams, Vanderbilt. You know, we talked a little bit about the job Coach Stackhouse has done there last week when you were kind of asking me to shout out a program or shout out a coach. And um, because it's just been, it's really, it's really been phenomenal to see that program grow from the time I was a freshman and now uh, where shoot, whoever wins, uh, the game Tuesday is going to have the tie break and the lead in the standings over the other. Um, I mean, they're six and eight in conference. And so uh, they have built themselves into a, a really uh, respectable program within the league. Scotty Pippen Jr. is one of the best players in our league. Um, and, and they have great players around them. And, and like I said, they're just tough. Like you watch that game they played against Kentucky and, Vanderbilt was the tougher team for 40 minutes. They just, the, it didn't bounce, the ball didn't bounce their way at the end. Uh, but, you know, they they kind of gave it to Shibwe, which is almost shocking to hear because nobody does that. Uh, so we got a really tough team on Tuesday that we're playing against. So I'm, I'm excited about that one. Yeah, very important week. Uh, I didn't even realize that in terms of the standings. I'm sure that's something you obviously keep an eye on. So Tuesday night at Vanderbilt, 8 p.m. Central, uh, that one is on the SEC network. Man, I'm really tempted to take a midweek trip. I won't, but I'm tempted to. Um, work would come really, really early on Wednesday morning. Um, so we'll see. But uh, Saturday, 5 p.m. versus South Carolina, second to last home game. That game will be on the SEC network. Britton, what is one thing about South Carolina that people may not know? Uh, obviously, your scouting report right now is only Vanderbilt, as that game is on Tuesday. But what's one thing to look for in that South Carolina game? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. If this is something that people wouldn't know, just because you know Frank Martin's been there for a while and he's kind of built an identity and and they fit that identity well. But it's something that I was just talking about. But like, man. Whenever you play South Carolina, you're expecting you're prepared to go to war for 40 minutes. That's just the mentality you have to have. If you don't have the mentality, you're going to get punked and you're going to lose the game. Uh, they are the bully that takes people's lunch money, and you you got to know that going into the game. So we are going to be ready for a war on Saturday in Coleman Coliseum. Uh, luckily, you know I think every time we've played them in my college career, we've stepped up to the challenge and played well and uh, been successful in that game. So hoping to keep that streak alive. And um, But like I said, next two weeks are going to be a great test for this team and a great opportunity for us to kind of really get things rolling in the right direction come SEC tournament. And, you know, I think because if we can get hot at the right time, I wouldn't want to play us. So, Well, neither would I. And it's not how you start. It's how you finish. And we got to finish the regular season strong so that we can start tournament time on the right foot. Britton, I have a quick, fun question for you here. If you could create, and this came from your burner, not your burner account. I don't, you don't have one. You're an athlete. The Britton Johnson burner account that has not come forward with their identity yet. 
Um, if they do come forward, they can have a full moon barbecue gift card, uh, proud sponsor of the Mean Streets podcast. Anyways, they ask if you could build a five man all star team from the SEC, who would you build? Like, who would be your one, two, three, four, and five? Um, I'll go ahead and start just because I know people don't care what I have to say, they care what you have to say. So I would have uh, JD Note of Arkansas at the one, I'd have Shaq at the two. I'd have uh, Shebway at the five. I'd have Jabari Smith from Auburn at the four. And then just because I'm the host of this podcast, BJ, you would start and you would be the other shooting guard slash small forward. Um, appreciate the bias. Yeah, of course. No, no bias here at all, uh, ever on this Mean Streets podcast. Never, never. Uh, my sixth man uh, is Tyler Barnes, just for the road trips, so he can uh, – you know, he can entertain us and tell us stories of, of uh, his 18 years at Alabama and uh, the gym that our home team, you know, whatever we want to call ourselves, would play in Rupp Arena strictly because they have the best ice cream in the conference. So who would be your five-man all-star team from the SEC? Okay, I'm going to preface my list with a, a, an incredibly important asterisk. And so if anyone looks into my list, if there's going to be a graphic made about it, I want there to be a big asterisk that says, Britton Johnson notably excludes all Alabama basketball players because of bias, because I would just pick a lot of my teammates on this list, and it'd be really unfair of me. Um, there are a lot of great players in this league. I was asked to make, make this list about – two minutes before we started airing. So I just kind of uh, looked up maybe like stat leaders, but outside of that, I, I literally just threw a list together. So I'm sure I'm including other great players here. But, uh, you know, at the one, I have J.D. Note, who you also had a uh, great player for Arkansas. Uh, the two, uh, Scotty Pippen Jr. At the three, I kind of took an interesting uh, pick. I, I picked Kellen Grady, who we just played on Saturday, who is – in my opinion, the best, one of the best shooters in the country. Uh, he's just an unbelievable three point shooter. Yeah, uh, he was seven of nine for us. So he fits the, yeah. the bill of the <laughs> Winion Gabriel. I'm going to hit seven threes against Alabama. But go yeah, ahead. It's fitting. But uh, at the four, uh, Jabari Smith, great player for Auburn. Again, another one of the best shooters in the country. So we're kind of stacking the lineup with shooting. Uh, all four of those guys that I mentioned are, are big time shooters. Then at the five, uh, Oscar Shibway, who is the best rebounder in modern college basketball history. I, 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 you'd have to go back a far ways to find someone who's doing what he's doing, rebounding the ball. He's just an absolute animal. He, he's a lot of fun to watch. And uh, a notable sixth man is uh, Jalen Williams of Arkansas, who uh, I just had to find a way to kind of give him a shout out. You know, someone I mentioned a few weeks ago before he played Arkansas, Against Arkansas, he's taking a bunch of charges, doing a bunch of the, the blue-collar winning stuff. Uh, flopped a little bit. I flopped a little bit, but he got the call, so I can't really question it. But uh, as someone that uh, loves taking charges, I, I respect that part of his game. But I just think the dude's a winner, and I'd love to have him in my locker room if I'm building an SEC dream team because I think he promotes winning behaviors, and he would only help my team win at the end of the day. So – uh, that's kind of the six-person lineup, I guess, I put together. Again, I know I'm excluding people. And like I said, I'd have, like, all of my teammates on this list if I could. So I purposely took uh, Alabama players out of it. 
if I was to choose an arena, I would choose whatever we're going to call our new arena in a few years, because that's going to be the best arena in the SEC. So uh, that is my list. Uh, hope no graphic is made of it because it was the not Mean Streets well podcast out. arena presented by Full Moon Barbecue at the Britton Johnson Court and the William Galloway Concourse. Um, that's going to be awesome. I hope Could they give huge. us sweet level tickets. So we'll I, see. I, how I very that much goes. appreciate that. And we could have our little like bitmojis up on the side of the arena, you know. I'm sure. Hey, by the way, love that. by the way, speaking of bitmoji, we do need to address this really quickly um, before we wrap things up. There was a Galloway podcast hat for sale on clearance at the Goodwill, and I think it was uh, Andrew Shoemaker who tweeted it. Tough scene. I am absolutely beside myself. Like, you should be stab That's me tough. in the back. That's worse than some breakups I've had. I mean, that is absolutely devastating. So, you know, two things. First of all, um, Galloway, known heartbreaker, uh, talking about his many breakups that he has had. Uh, B, um, the second point I like to make is that it's really a question. Are you more upset that it was there, that, they, you know, someone – gave it or sold it or whatever no i was just betrayed. Was i was straight like, up betrayed what was it price what was it price at like two bucks i sold like, i sold them to friends and family and fans of the podcast so, so and it was yeah, what, it was a 20 dollars selling price and it is now 199 at the goodwill uh, again is there to you know repeat the question are you more upset that it was there or that it was priced at two dollars i don't I, I don't know i'm too frustrated is it a think. combination I am too frustrated to think. I'm going to go program my coffee, and I'm going to go to bed, and I'm going to wake up and have a great week. I mean, and, yeah, it's like, but I tell you what, this this hit me harder than jo, uh, Jawan Howard. I mean, seeing that price tag just made me so frustrated. No comment. I feel betrayed. I can't believe it, and that's I'm just going to leave it at that. Oh. <sighs> Okay. All right. Well, on that note, follow the Mean Streets podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Mean Streets Pod. Purchase Mean Streets podcast merchandise. Visit bandwagonsports.com. Click on Team Shop, then click on Mean Streets to order your Mean Streets merchandise today. We've got stickers. If I am at the next two home games, I will have those as well as some full moon barbecue gift cards to give away. So come find me in Coleman Coliseum. That's it for week 16 of the Mean Streets podcast episode. I'm William Galloway. We are presented by Full Moon Barbecue. As always, Britton, you've got the last word, so take it away. Yeah, I'm going to end this episode uh, with a special shout out to my dad, who uh, is an absolute trooper. He made the six, seven, however many hour trip from Birmingham to Lexington that Galloway bailed on. Um, All right. You, you know. don't have the last word anymore. You know what? I was going you at least through let me it after, after my merchandise was sold for a tax write-off. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I just couldn't make it. But, but for yeah, now was, you have the last word. Okay. I was just going to say, you know, uh, through about 16 minutes of that game, I was like, I am so glad my dad made this trip. He's going to be so ecstatic at the end of this game. I think every Alabama fan probably was thinking uh, uh, along those lines. But uh, obviously disappointing into that game. But just that, yeah, I want to say I love you, Dad. Thank you for making the trip. I, I appreciate it. And, um, you know, it means a lot to me. So I'm going to end this episode with just an I love you, Dad. And, and thank you for all you do. So shout out to all the fathers out there. And uh, roll tide roll. <laughs> <laughs>